0: I want to start off and say a special thanks today to team Randy and Doreen who are recording this by video. This is our first time this will be posted to YouTube. That's why I'm dressed up today instead of in my bathing suit. Folks on YouTube will tune in next time to see if he shows up in his bathing suit. I want to also just say some historical things. This is the seventh year of my ministry here we began together in Harness with One Another, I believe it was July the 17th, 2016. So we're now in our seventh year. Nothing. We have many, many recordings that are podcast that you can find out there at Union Grove Baptist Church of Whitehall. So today is a special day in that we're inviting the rest of the world into our service and into our sanctuary. Yes, Randy. So Wednesday nights will also be on YouTube. Everyone's going to need to behave. I'm going to have to up my game. I I asked Randy, I said, certainly there are some ways to edit things out because I I sometimes say things that I think, wow, why did I say that? So I don't know how we'll handle all that, but God will. And this morning as I prayed, instead of praying that for everything like I usually do, I said, Lord, I prayed that this service will glorify you. That whatever is said, whatever's done that's up Navasota. we're in a peace, I hate to even call it heaven because I don't want everybody to move here and, 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 and ruin it, but we love it and we love that you're here with us today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I pray that every word that's spoken today, every prayer that's prayed, every scripture that's read, Lord will be bathed in your holy Spirit. Lord, that when we leave today, we will understand what hope is for you. Lord, thank you that you have provided for us Christ upon whom we stand and all other ground is sink as a name. of God's people said, amen. All right, I'm having a little trouble. We're going to have to move that clock because there's a glare on it where it is. Anyway, uh, this last week, things were kind of strange. We had an event with the worship band. One person kind of left and seemed upset. And I remembered and brought together all the group to tell them when I practiced law, I noticed, and it always catches me by surprise, but between November the 1st and January the 1st, which is about a 60-day period, people kind of go crazy. It's really very strange. Already, several of you all have come up to me, people that are hard as nails and have poured out your hearts to me, weeping and crying. It's a very strange, touchy, thank you so much, time of the year. It's when people's emotions are really heightened. You may be one of those people, one of our worship team. case that they're in. So if this is a blue time for you, it's a time of hopelessness. This morning, I'm going to tell you what God's Word says gives us hope, and I'm pretty excited about this message. Uh, gloom sets in, and it, and it finds its way into the human heart, and people end up saying, is this all the person that I'm supposed to be? Well, the key is, you're going to learn today, key among things is your identity in Christ. Joy is part of your identity in Christ, even when you're in the midst of horrific circumstances. You may say, Pastor, that's easy for you to say. You don't have any problems. Well, yeah, I do. And yes, I have. Okay, y'all know, some of y'all, uh, maybe the folks don't know on YouTube watching, but this I used to speak about an octave higher. I had surgery on my throat. We all go through difficult times. That is part of the human condition. Um, So anyway, let's look into the heart and mind of God to see. If you'll look up at the screen, we're going to look first. I don't know why we're looking at uh, the songs for today. Huh? It's being fixed, and it's all okay. We all have hope that it will happen, and it did. So we never have to give up. So hope, I have about maybe five basic themes. First off, hope. How do we get hope? Let's say that you're hopeless today. How is it that you recapture the hope? And even some have come to me and said, Pastor, I've lost the joy of my salvation. So let's see what God's Word says to us about how we get hope. If you'll look up on the board, we're going to jump all through the Bible today. And for those who are hearing me for the first time, I'm usually not a topical preacher or a topical teacher here at the Grove. i am focus on expository teaching where we take the Bible verse by verse, but during the four weeks of Advent, we take a little departure from that we have since year one, and we give a different message on hope, peace, love, and joy, and it's interesting. I have never looked back on any of my prior messages about hope or love or peace or joy because the Lord always speaks to us freshly, doesn't he? It's, it's a principle of manna. I, I guess I could go back and go, well, I'm going to do this easy this year and go back and r- read something from last year. It never works that way because you're at a different place today than you were a year ago or that you were seven years ago. And the beautiful thing about God's word being alive and active, as it says in Hebrews 4, 12, is that it, God's word, him and Paul is talking about Jesus Christ, we have also obtained Access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Very important. We're standing in grace and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So right away, Paul has begun to tell us that we're going to have access to something through faith. We have access to grace and that in his grace, we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Y'all see that thing about standing there? And we're going to look at that later in the in the viewpoint of Hebrews, where it says that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and things unseen. And we're going to tear that down and look at the Greek and also at the English and see what that really means. Paul goes on, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I'm reading from Romans 5, 2 through 5, knowing that suffering, so this is a purpose in the things that I go through that are suffering, knowing that the suffering produces endurance. That means the sufferings that I went through this year and that you went through with a replaced knee and others went through maybe with a marriage that fell apart and wondering what to do with the kids now, those things can produce character. They will produce character because we know from Romans 8:28 that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And he goes on saying that this endurance will produce character. And what does character produce? Character produces hope. So in a very curious way, hardship, which is endured by leaning on the promises of God, that's what gives us hope. You would think, well, I, how can I be hopeful if I'm going through all this, these hardships? Because God says in his word that if you lean on him and trust in him, it will produce an endurance. And that that endurance, that That keeping on, keeping on is what endurance is, all right? That it's going to produce a character. Character is who you are. It's who you really are, and it will produce hope in you. And it says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we have this love of God that's poured into our hearts. Think of it like a big chalice that's being poured into and poured into and poured into and poured into with the grace of God that never ends, that's totally overflowing. Amen. I just think that's incredible. What a wonderful word. And then he tells us there, look at it, that hope comes from the scriptures. Here here we go. I want you to see this. So something's being tied together here. If you're hopeless this morning, part of the key to you getting back to having hope in your life is understanding what the Scriptures say. Paul says to that same little Roman church in Romans 15, 4, and then in 13, for whatever things were written before, what is he talking about here? He's talking about all the Scriptures that they had. Paul didn't have the New Testament. He was writing the New Testament. All of the stories of the Old Testament, all the Torah, which is the instruction of God, all of the prophets, all of the writings, all of that, was written for our learning. And we know that because Paul echoes that when he says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God or the woman of God may be mature, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped for all good works. Amen? That ought to give you hope right there. That we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Any of y'all ever received comfort from the Scriptures? If you haven't, then you're not reading them. Or if you are reading them, you're not saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me through this written Word of God. I have gotten such incredible comfort through the Scriptures. It's really the only comfort that I've gotten when I've gone through very, very difficult times in my life. I've had to turn to the Lord, and I don't want to drag you all through all the mud I've been through in my life, because if we all did that, we're going to fill this place up with mud today. But we have gone through it with patience and comfort because of the Scriptures. And I'm going to give you one of the key Scriptures that you've probably never seen that gave me tremendous hope in times of desperation in my life. He continues in 13, now may the God of hope fill you with what? Joy, joy, Joy is not there where there's hopelessness. Joy is where there's hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we were back studying Second Peter, we looked one day at the difference between gnosis and epigenosis. Y'all remember that? Where Paul, where Peter tells us that it is in the epigenosis that we end up having the peace of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. Genosis is just when you know about something. Epigenosis is when you've lived through it. It's experientially knowing the truths of God and having seen them lived out in your life. And if you are a faith-walking, Spirit-led believer, you are going to end up walking through and in the the promises of God, and they will leap from being gnosis into being epigenosis, and it is life-changing. Amen? It is life-changing. We talked about that, that today in men's group. So you're saying, Pastor, I heard someone say this in the back. Maybe all did or didn't. Give me a specific scripture to help me today because I'm hopeless today. Have you ever felt like it wasn't even worth trying to be hopeful? I felt that way where I thought, hope is so far away from me, how can I ever get my way back? How can I find my way back, really? To not the Lord, because I know the Lord, but sometimes we end up in a hopeless condition. This, my friends, is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, and I don't think I've shared it in the seven years that I've been here. Psalm 27, which is written by the shepherd king David, he was so venerated even today by the Jewish people. When you go to Israel, they talk about David. Everything's about David. Listen what David said. This is a psalm that he wrote down when he was in the midst of all kinds of despair, running from his life, trying to not be killed, okay? Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path. Boy, I've been on a rocky path before because of my enemies. And I want to say that enemies aren't always people running at you with spears and shields and AK-47s and everything else. Enemies can be health problems. Enemies can be wealth problems, right? Enemies can be all kinds of things. They can be marital problems. They can be relationship problems. He says, lead me on a smooth path, Lord, because of these enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me. Any of y'all ever had false witnesses rise up against you? I have. I've had people say things about me that were not true. And it was very, very hard to not go and be an advocate because I'm a retired lawyer for my position. In those times, I could say, Lord, I'm going to trust this false information out here to you. And time and time again, The Lord delivered me from false accusations, sorry, in the nonsense that was breathed out against me. He says, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence. And then I have this highlighted. Guys, this is a major verse in Pastor McMullen's life. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would somehow, I threw in somehow, see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David is saying, I would have given up if I hadn't just gone on the belief that someday I would see the goodness of God again in my life. Can anybody relate to that? I can relate to that. I have been to that point where I said, How can I go on? And I said, God, I'm going to believe that you're good. I'm going to believe that you have a plan, a purpose, and a place for me. And then, Lord, I'm going to wait on that. And it's so interesting that David puts that with it. He says twice, wait on the Lord. If you are hopeless today, believe that you again will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's coming back. You you may say, I have never been this crippled. The goodness of the Lord is coming back, Don, (laughs) looking at Don, looking at me with my compression socks on that I didn't wear five years ago. You know, it's just part of that thing of, of, of age and being, uh, getting older. My, I went to my doctor, if I can share something personal with you all, and I said, Dr. Garcia, what is the problem? He took out my chart, my blood chart, and he said, I th- uh-oh, I figured it out. And I said, what is it? And he said, you've got that French disease. I said, well, what is it? He says, it's called AGE. I said, AGE, I never grew up in a, I grew up in a medical family. I've never heard of AGE. He said, it's AGE, spelled A-G-E. Anyway, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and then what does David say? He shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. You can't muster enough hope up in your own heart to hope. But if you wait on the Lord and you wait again, that's twice, be of good courage because he will strengthen your heart. So that's a real verse from my life. Then we have a next topic and theme here. We gather hope, believe it or not, by giving it to others. When you know God's Word and you can begin to share it with others, it's shocking how it begins to build you up as well. Why is that? Is it because you have such wise words? Because you're recalling God's words and you're sharing them with someone else and you're really preaching to yourself. The Holy Spirit uses His Word to speak to the speaker. And that happens to me many times. I think this morning I'm I'm preaching to me. If y'all can, is there a problem up there? No. Okay. I saw she was saying, preach on. All right. Good. All right. I'm, I didn't know what those signals meant. We hope we gather hope when we give help to others, we encourage others and it gives us hope. I love this. It's first Peter three fifteen. Uh, we studied that just about a month ago, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts. That means be separate and be who you are in Christ. Okay. And be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. God's expectation, brothers and sisters, is that that you will have a hope in you that others will ask, What is the reason for your hope? That's God's expectation for you and me. It's not that we're running around as mugwumps, as I call it, or mama used to call it, with a frown on our face. It doesn't mean you that you're you fake joy, it means that you begin to experience joy because you experience the Word of God and you experience it in and through your heart and your life. My dad had a funny way of saying that he would talk to himself. So I kind of quoted dad here under here at the bottom. He would say, son, you say things like this to yourself. Now listen here. And some of y'all that knew my dad, you can imagine him, Scott, saying this. You know that all things work together for good. Remember, he's talking to himself. For those that love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Hey, that's you. It's all going to work out, and it's all going to be okay. That's the way he would talk to himself. I encourage you to talk to yourself and quote to yourself God's word, because that will give you hope. Then you'll know God's word, and you'll be able to share it with others who are hopeless. And during this 60 days, if you're one of that group that right now doesn't know how you're going to make it through January the 1st, like the old, Merle Haggard song, if we can make it through December, I would add through there, if we can make it through November and December, everything's going to be all right, okay? Just talk to yourself, quote to yourself the Word of God, let yourself know it's going to be all right, because God's Word says it's going to be all right. Then we have a living hope. Now, a living hope is interesting, and I wanted Devin to be here today, because the last Wednesday that we were together, Sam Robinson, our youth, one of our youth pastors, youth leaders, got up and he said that he was asking about hope and Devin said, hope, godly hope is anticipating something good. I think that's a really, really good way to put it. It is anticipating something good because a God hope, a God centered hope is a living hope. All right. It's a living hope. It's alive and powerful. And it's not just a hope like hoping that it's not going to rain tomorrow, hoping that it is going to rain. And he goes on, and Peter says this, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again.'" So he has born us again. That's what begotten means. We were born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Not just the death and burial of Jesus, but the resurrection as well, Ken. I see you shaking your head back there. We have a Savior, a Messiah, a Lord that came. He died for our sins on the cross. He was put into a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And Paul tells us that if that isn't true, then all of this is for nothing. So we have a hope because he did rise from the dead. And it goes on to an inheritance. And here we go, guys, incorruptible. We were risen to an inheritance that's incorruptible. That inheritance first had a deposit, not a down payment, Randy, but a deposit, and the deposit was the Holy Spirit of God came to live and dwell in you when you accepted Jesus as your Savior. That Holy Spirit resides within you to empower you, to change you, to, to help eclipse the, 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 the DNA sin that's in you and, And as I have said before, you can't really get more of the Holy Spirit, but you can give more of yourself to the Holy Spirit. Get yourself out of the way and let God richly indwell you according to His mercies, okay? As Scripture tells us. So what is the rest of your inheritance that's incorruptible? I began thinking about my identity in Christ, an undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. I have given you a handout today. I went up to Copy Corner so I wouldn't blow the budget, Sue, on ink and and had them print this. And you have this today. And for those that are watching on uh, YouTube, you can go to reasonsforhope.jesus.com. And it is 101 truths about our identity in Christ, Okay. Now, I want to say I may or may not agree with everything on this website. I didn't sit and read it for that reason. Well, pastor, they say such and such. I'm talking about these identities that we have in Christ. If you begin to read through this, and I ask Betty not to fold them and put them in the bulletin because you may want to pin it up on your wall, or if you want to fold it, go ahead and you do that and put it in your Bible. This is a wonderful reason to have hope. Some of my favorites are this, I am washed, I am sanctified, I am justified, you are as well, in the blood of Jesus, 1 Corinthians 6.11. I am generated, regenerated, that's born again, and I'm renewed by the Holy Spirit, Titus 3.5. I am forgiven from the penalties of my sins, 2 Corinthians 5.19. And I am born again into a living hope, and that's what we're just reading now, 1 Peter, well, that's 1.3. I'm united with Christ through his death and his resurrection, I'm a child of God, I'm in Jesus Christ. That's Christ, Jesus the Messiah. I am a saint. Uh-oh. Where's Kathy Adamo? Kathy Adamo. Kathy Adamo is one of our sweet ladies that goes to mass and then faithfully comes to Union Grove. And she knows now that a saint is anybody who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, not only am I a saint, anybody in here that has put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior is a saint as well. All right? So, we're set free by the truth. I am eternally secure. Baptists love this one. I am eternally secure in Christ. John 10, 27 through 31. Nothing can pluck you out of God's hand. Even if you're a mugwomp, even if you've fallen into sin, even if you've done this or that, Tim. Uh, I'm telling Tim because of his Nazarene background, you're still a saint. Okay, you're just right now in a in a place where you need to get it cleaned up, and the Lord cleans it up as we talked about last week. I'm free from the power of sin. That's a big one. I'm free from condemnation. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. You say, but Pastor, I still don't feel hope. You focus on the Word of God, and He will give you strength to have hope. I'm telling you that this morning. Begin to understand who you are in Christ. Then we get to something. There's the got questions so y'all can all see it. It was interesting. I tried to email this out and I could not do it. It was too big of a file and I could not reduce it in any way. It was like 10 over 10 megabytes. So that's why you didn't get that along with your attachment to the sermon. I'm going to hone in on this now. This is one of the biggest discoveries I've made this past year. How many of you, before you heard teachings here, wondered what it meant that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen? Anybody ever confused by that like I was? Wow, that's amazing. Nobody in here was confused except for Randy, myself, and Diane. And Judy now is coughing up something honest, okay? Yeah, next week I'm going to be preaching on lying and not saying the things that are true. So, anyway, I want to look at this. This is Greek. This is up here, and it's in Greek, and it says, now faith. Uh Uh-oh. There, I I I had to just touch that. Sorry. Yeah, faith is the substance. Really, all you need to look at is that word substance, okay? Substance is the word hypostasis. Guess how you say, what does hypo mean? What's a hypodermic needle? It goes under your skin, Margarita. Hypo means under. What does stasis mean? Do you speak Spanish? Those that speak Spanish, what is el estado? It's the state of something, right? All right. It comes from the word standing. All right. Hypostasis means standing, what's under standing which we would say in English, substance, okay? Sub is the Latin word for under. Stance is your stance. It's how you're standing. The question here is what are you standing on? What is under you, okay? This, guys, this is big. Sorry, I'll get back in the camera. I can't wander anymore. He has to sit and operate the camera. So substance means faith is the thing that's got to be down under you that you stand on. This is really big. It's the thing under you that if you're standing on that faith in God and in the promises of God, you are going to be able to have hope. That's what this says. If you are standing on anything else, Don or Sylvia or Gita or anybody in here standing on anything but your faith in God and in his promises, you are on sinking sand. There is no relationship I can stand on, my, my marital relationship. There's no amount of money in my checking account or savings account that, that I can stand on that will give me hope. It will always end up giving me hopelessness, okay? So it is a living hope, I, and faith is where it all starts. It's faith is the bottom end. It is the foundation. It is the thing I'm standing upon, the thing that gives me things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That is the key and the secret to to hope this morning. If you're hopeless, examine closely what you're standing on. Are you standing on your circumstances? If you are, they're always going to end up taking you into hopelessness. At least that's what they've done to me. So, not Paul, whoever is the writer of Hebrews is telling us that faith is the foundation that needs to be under you in order to give you hope. Hope in Him is the only anchor for our souls because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose so clear to the heirs of what was promised. Who are the heirs of what was promised? Raise your hand. You're an heir, okay? You're you're named in the will, all right? Not only that, you've already received it because He died and rose again, and you've received Him. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope. We fled. What did we flee? I fled my old sin, my old life, my old rejection of the Lord to take hold of the hope that is offered to me that I may be greatly encouraged. I put me instead of there. You can put your own name in there. You fled from that life that you had, all right, that person that you were. You fled towards him. You received him and accepted him, all right. So that you could take hold of a hope that's been offered to you, and you're encouraged. Be encouraged in that, in your identity. For why? And it says, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. It's firm and secure. Nothing else in life is firm or secure. I'm old enough, I'm young enough to still know what I'm reading, and I'm old enough to realize what I read. I guess I don't know how to say this, but I've lived through a lot. And I've learned that Jesus is the only anchor for my soul. I've been through brutal things, not like some of you all, not like some of what people are going through there in the world. But hope in him truly is the anchor for my soul. And it's the anchor for yours, and it's firm, and it's secure. So what we have is a choice for you today. What will you build your life upon? What are you building your life upon? One of my great, uh, great people that I like to study—not because I agreed with everything in his life—is the life of General Nathan Bedford Forrest. I wrote a paper recently about him. How his mother was buried here in Navasota, and near the end of his life, he had been a slave trader, made huge amounts of money in the South. He was one of the most, the richest guys, and. Probably Tennessee and throughout the South. And as the war was lost, his mother died here in 1867. She stepped on a rusty nail and got tetanus. Anyway, uh, he and his little sweet Christian wife, and he was never a Christian, he thought it was a woman's religion. He went and he heard a sermon in the mid 1870s, and the preacher got up and did this verse here today. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and does them will be like him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. Okay, how did the house not fall? It was like a wise person who built his house on a rock. Okay, it says, who hears these sayings of mine and does them. You can hear Jesus's sayings and not do them. All right, and you're not going to be built on a rock. He says, but whoever hears these things and does them will be like a guy who built his house on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I brought up Nathan Bedford Forrest because when he heard this, the Holy Spirit convicted him, came on him and convicted him, and he wanted to speak to the pastor who told him, he said, I I feel like I'm that guy that built my life on the sand. He said, will you go pray about it and come back and see me? And within a few weeks, he came back and he said, everything I've done in my life was built on sand. I want to be built on a rock. And he gave his life to the Lord and he became a, beautiful Christian right there at the end, weighing half what he did. He had shriveled up because he realized the truth of this. And it said that when he, right before he died, he said, there's nothing standing between me and my savior. I'm ready to be received by him. This is available to each of us today to hear these sayings and do them. We've heard what God's word said to us this morning, that it is a choice for you and me today. The choice first is to receive him. And the second choice is to obey him, okay? You don't just automatically obey him, all right? But you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a big effort-filled work. It's a matter of you getting out of the way, letting go, and let God take control of your life. Can I get an amen out of you guys? So we go on, and we talk about Edward Moat. I just love this guy. Who in here has ever heard of Edward Moat? I didn't hear about him till last night about nine o'clock when I did a Wikipedia search. Edward Moat was born January the twenty first, seventeen ninety seven, all right? And his parents were managers of a pub in London. And he grew up in the street out in front of the pub. He had never heard about God, knew nothing about God, and someone came along, and we don't know who, shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with Edward Moat, and he received the Lord. And he was changed forever he got a hunger for God's Word and began to study God's Word, and he ended up entering the ministry in his 50s. I entered in my 50s, okay, right here in this place, my formal ministry. He pastored the Rehoboth Baptist Church in Horsham, West Sussex, for 26 years. He was well-liked, I'm reading this right out of Wikipedia, by the congregation in Horsham, and they offered him the church building as a gift. He said, we want to give you the building, And he said this, I do not want the chapel. I only want the pulpit. And when I cease to preach Christ, then turn me out of that. He died on the 13th of November, 1874, and he's buried in the churchyard at Rehoboth Church. What an interesting guy. It was him, it was he, I'm sorry, that wrote the words, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. He wrote it, he said, from the parable of the wise and foolish builders. This is where you'll find your hope today. My hope, your hope, can only be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Don't dare to trust the sweetest frame. That means anything else but holy trust in Jesus' name. Amen. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. It's all going to burn, Scott Armstrong. Scott says all this stuff is going to burn. I always imagine it burning up like Whitehall, burning up. But it is all going to burn. So let's choose today to plant our feet on a rock. Let's choose to hear the words of Jesus and obey them. With the big idea of regaining hope today, understand hope is built on knowing Christ and, and knowing who you are in Christ. And you've got a whole 101 things here to tell you who you are in Christ. Put your faith in who you are and live it, amen? It cannot be built on any other thing. It is the only thing that will satisfy the three basic needs of your soul. And I talked about this in year one. You've got three needs that God put in you, the need to be loved and accepted, the need to have value and worth, and the need to have an identity. That means to fit in somewhere. If you try to fill those needs with anything but Jesus and who he is, it will always lead to frustration and conflict. You can't fill it with a, che- a checking account. You can't have someone that loves you love you enough to really feel loved. you got to find it somewhere else. You can't feel that you have value and worth just from what you go do. You're never going to do enough or be enough, or be accomplished enough to truly have value and worth, and you'll never fit in. When you know the Lord, you have all three. You're loved like you've never been loved. You have value like you've never had, and you fit in just fine because you're one in the body of Christ. Amen? So that's the word on hope today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word that is something we turn to, Lord, and that We can hear in your word, Lord, and we know what you say, and Lord, then we can choose to obey. So Lord, I pray that that would be the choice of everyone listening today or watching this as it goes out on YouTube. Lord, I pray that those in this room would today exchange hopelessness for hope. And Lord, we just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.